Beautiful. Nailed it. Hey, everybody. That's a song. We just composed just now at the top of our heads. Spontaneous combustion in song form. <laughs> uh, this is a special episode, obviously. Somebody got press accreditation for a film festival. Um, hello. Thank that you. would be us, yeah. your favorite film review podcasters. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope. For your sake, I hope that's not true. But we're, <laughs> we're fine. Like, top 20, that would be acceptable. Nightstream? So, um, yeah, we, we are participating as press in the Nightstream Film Festival, and uh, it's a, a virtual film festival, and it's actually uh, a film festival that is a collaborative effort of five, I guess, kind of smaller horror or genre film festivals from across the country. Uh, Boston Underground, Brooklyn Horror, Overlick, Popcorn Frights, and the North Bend Film Festivals all joined forces to put out this online, massive, streaming virtual film festival venture. And uh, it's pretty rad so far. It's excellent. We've seen three movies. We've got, I think, like 12 more movies to go that we've signed up for. And it's been pretty seamless and easy to do for the most part. And they've got a bunch of really cool online events as well. There's like a cocktail hour with Elijah Wood and some other people earlier today. So pretty cool. Um, and the films have been pretty good so far. So yeah. we're just going to be briefly talking about the stuff that we have seen. Um, so we're going to kind of do it in batches so that we're not getting ex- exhausted talking about 15 movies all at once. So we've, we've seen three movies. Uh, I guess the, the first one, Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist, was uh, the, the first movie that we'll talk about. It's basically just a kind of hour and 40 minute long interview with William Friedkin talking about the process of making The Exorcist and it was interesting like if you like The Exorcist Mm -hmm. I mean I can't imagine that anybody that likes horror movies does not like The Exorcist uh it was fine I mean there was nothing certainly nothing wrong with it it was interesting informative but it was also an hour and 40 minutes of a guy just talking about a single movie in yep. a, like, there's really not much else going on aside from that. And there, yeah. there's, like... A... There's one point you hear somebody else in the interview. I mean, aside from, like, clips the, from the movie. The interviewer. Yeah. yeah. If you were wanting to find out more about how this classic horror movie was made, it, it's definitely something worth looking into. It's not... I wouldn't say it's a, you can't miss this. No, it's yeah. It's not like... Like Must a, see. Right. It, interesting, but not anything that you need to necessarily go to great lengths to watch. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's true of pretty much every movie I've seen, and there's nothing in there like, you need to crawl over broken glass <laughs> to see this movie. You get it. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any other... No, I think that covers it. I mean, it was interesting to hear him admit times people saw symbolism in the movie yeah. that he was just like, oh, I just thought it looked good, or yeah. I just thought this would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, or like, I was just following my intuition and said, maybe I should try this. Right, and I mean, that kind of goes, I was thinking about that earlier today, too, about how it kind of goes back to the whole, I don't know, is it Death of the Author? Is that what it is? Where the author, people after the fact interpret 
things that the author of a mm-hmm. written piece had done that they didn't intentionally mean to do. But right. it's just like, you know, even if you didn't intentionally do something, it doesn't mean that that's... Not there. Not there, yeah, just because of the, the subconscious influences that go into things. Like, why did you decide to just have this clock stop randomly in this scene? It wasn't, you know, didn't mean anything to you necessarily, or you can't, you know, maybe verbalize what it meant, mm-hmm. but you felt like it was the right call to make. And so there's... yeah. There's meaning there, even if you're not aware of what that meaning is on a conscious level, which I think is just super fascinating. It, I think I hadn't really heard about it applied to like the visual, yeah, form, but more of a like a written thing. But for sure, yeah. So it's kind of interesting to learn about that and just like some of the the times. Okay, calling. we're gonna keep. <laughs> One of our cats is being very obnoxious, so if you may hear uh, scratching noises in the background, he's <laughs> just being a turd. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to just keep going and not acknowledge that it's happening. Call yep. in from here on out. <coughs> Good grief. <laughs> Cats. Um, um, oh, yeah. The other thing I was, I was saying is also interesting the way that he took advantage of just, like, being in a place and, like, okay, there's interesting people walking by or, mm-hmm. you know, or being in northern Iraq. And they're just happening to be an actual archaeological dig happening right so he could just take advantage of like oh is it okay if i just have mox phone seat out just walk through here <laughs> yeah yeah. I'm like, yeah fine yeah a lot of just circumstantial stuff that fit the movie really well yeah just how many people thought that he shouldn't even have the stuff in iraq in the movie at mm-hmm. all even though it's in the book even like william peter blatty who's like didn't want to have the iraq stuff in there at the the forefront and it's right just like such uh it's, it sets the tone. It does, it yeah. It really does. Yeah, it's such like a kind of a bold opening to a movie like For that. For real. It's just crazy to think that there would be a version of the movie where that wasn't in it. And with no explanation. <laughs> it's just never really, like, way later in the movie, there's like a line that kind of references um, Father Marin being an archaeologist, priest, or whatever they call him. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so interesting, but not uh, must see. Right. Go um, see The Exorcist. Yes. Yeah. If you haven't seen The Exorcist, <laughs> what are you doing with your Or, life? at the same time, they get to see The Exorcist for the first time. Yeah. True. So, yeah. Unless you're scared. Scared of, scared of a movie. You're scared of a movie. No, oh, I'm no. scared of a movie. I can't see The Exorcist. It's too scared. <laughs> God, we're just being so mean. <laughs> we're being so mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> considering well, this, like, the power has gone to our heads of getting this, this press <laughs> credential thing. It's like... Wow, we're, we're press now. Yeah, take that, motherfuckers. You thought we couldn't do it. We're making it. <laughs> we, <laughs> we made it happen. We made it happen. Uh, anyways, um, so next up, you want to... Next up, It Cuts Deep. A film about a couple going on a little vacation together around Christmas time. They go back to this dude's childhood home. And one part of the couple is very much trying to get the other one to commit to marriage or something. And the other one just keeps making jokes. And uh, then they run into weird old friends. And there's uncomfortable dark history there. And it's hard to talk about the plot in too much more detail than that because it is 
verging into spoiler territory. Yeah. Which we don't want to do for a movie that's not even officially really been released yet. For sure. Uh, but it's very good. I was very concerned when we started watching mm-hmm. it because, like, the first few minutes, the, the main dude in it is pretty obnoxious and it just uh-huh. you get this got the sinking feeling of like oh no did i just spend 15 dollars for a movie with like edgelord terrible like ooh, butt stuff humor and, yeah, and shit yeah it's been as long as my dick is yeah so it very much is not that throughout yes. the movie thank the lord uh, it it's actually pretty pretty funny. It's in a yeah. Lot of spots and dark. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be all. I'm sure all of these are going to be getting more widely released shortly. But um, yeah, it cuts deep. Very very well worth a watch if you're able to find it streaming yeah. or somewhere. No, just, just make sure that you hold tight for those first like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Or so when you just want to kill somebody. <laughs> yeah. Just just keep. Keep at it. Yeah, it was well funny. worth the watch. We, there was a Q and A, a brief Q and A thing afterwards, and the uh, actor Charles who, Gould, yeah, who played the the obnoxious guy, he was like, "Yeah, we kind of really struggled with it because the way he was written, it was intentionally obnoxious, and we were as we were filming these first scenes, we really tried to make him seem not like a totally." horrible right like there's got to be some reason why he's actually in this relationship with this this sane normal woman why she keeps hinting at marriage right yeah (laughs) why she would want to be committed to this this guy when he seems pretty unlikable yeah at the outset so they yeah it's a pill battle they fought with that but it, it pays off even if your first instincts when you start watching it are, are a little like, eh, I don't know, definitely stick with it. Please. Um, and then the movie we just finished watching, Anything for Jackson. Anything for Jackson. Which, thankfully, they didn't really say, right? It, there wasn't, like, any big point in the movie where it's like, Anything for Jackson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we gotta get that title line The soundtrack there. stops, and there's just, like, one violin, whole, like, sustaining of a vibrato note. <laughs> And then there's like a zoom in on the character's face. I had the titular line see. in anything for Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> the titular in the title line. <laughs> Me. I'm just so tired of all these Star Wars. <laughs> it's a lovely story of some elderly Satanists who are trying to uh, resurrect their deceased grandson. Yeah, have his soul. Uh, put into the belly unborn of a body. pregnant woman. Yeah, and uh, that doesn't sound like it would be a funny movie, but there also are some pretty uh, funny moments. Do Do we need to repeat that the uh, two of the main characters are elderly Satanists? Yeah, so it's got funny moments, and it's also pretty gnarly in terms of some ghosts that show up sporadically throughout the movie and um also very very good so i mean we're doing pretty good so far yeah three for three yeah for real it's so far i'm very impressed with nightstream yeah it seems like the caliber of movies that they've i don't know curated uh, curated um is very high which is a remarkable feat yeah like we we did the fantasia film festival too and I, i was a little more particular with what i 
spent our tickets on with this than I was with that. That mm-hmm. I didn't really do any research on the movies. I just kind of went by the blurbs on the website and the trailer. And this time I was a little more well, just I guess cautious. because yeah. So it's probably part of that. But I feel like it's a it's a smaller list of films mm-hmm. at this festival too. Yeah. So. I just mean, if you look at the number of films that they offer, like yeah, the, it, just the standards seem higher. Agreed. There were some real clunkers with Fantasia. Yeah. I mean, nothing like horribly awful, but just, I mentioned it in the Facebook post about Nightstream, but this movie Come True is playing at Nightstream, and we, we saw that as part of Fantasia, and it is a movie that is like very visually compelling and intriguing in terms of the the storyline, suspenseful, moody, and then it completely shits the bed in the last scene. Like the very last oh, scene yeah. just completely is like fuck it. Like what you know, you think of there are some things that are just so overly cliched. Yeah, exactly. Think of the most cliched way to end a story. I don't want to, I'm not going to say exactly what it is, no. but like, think of what one of the most cliched ways to end a story would be that nobody in their right minds would do. And it's going to be in the top two things that you can think of that fall into that category, I'm pretty right. sure. Right, pretty sure. To the point where we've made a joke referencing that the ending of that movie yeah. so many times since yeah. we saw it. Right. And so at least, I mean, hey, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and also thank you for some of the really cool imagery and, and storytelling that you did before then. Yeah, just like but... the setup was so good. I'm just like, I was oh, legitimately invested. Like, man, this seriously. is so cool. Like, I really am invested in how this is going to pay off. And then it just does not pay off at all. It's so bad. It almost comes all the way back around to being good again. Yeah. Just in its kind of audaciousness and how fucking... Mm-hmm. ballsy they had to be like yeah that's gonna be our ending so right fuck it like i can't decide if it's like just genius or like or like oh fuck we wrote ourselves into a corner yeah yeah so i guess what we were saying here is don't not see it yeah it's like a very very qualified recommendation for right come true because it has a lot going for it but you just you need to go into it knowing that you probably will be like Fuck you at yeah. the ending. Yeah, exactly. So that's enough for now. I think we should wrap it up yeah. and we can start watching more movies. We will be back in a second for you guys. Um, probably a day or so for us. So talk to you soon. And yeah. <laughs> jumps. How do we <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye? <laughs> All right, three more movies under our belts. Not actual belts, because it's the pandemic and nobody has to wear belts now. But don't, no belts. Don't wear pants anymore. No. Wear nothing. Just wear, I don't know, like a sash or of some kind. Of... A happy birthday sash. Happy, happy birthday sash. <laughs> or bachelorette. <laughs> <laughs> three movies. Yeah, we saw three movies. Three more movies. Um... So we saw Bloody Hell, which is, I believe, an Australian movie set in, largely set in uh, Helsinki, Finland. And 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 initially in Boise, Idaho. In Boise, yes. Yeah. And it's about this dude, Rex, who is, uh, takes it upon himself to intervene in a bank robbery 
and uh, gets a little trigger happy and kills all the bank robbers and is sent to prison and then is having to deal with his newfound... Notoriety? Yeah, notoriety upon being released eight Mm -hmm. years later. And so he tries to escape to Finland to get away from everybody hounding him. And in the process of making this, this escape, gets kidnapped by... A family. A evil family. Yeah. And basically, they're uh, feeding him. The, their intention is to feed him. To as, their oldest son. Yeah, yeah. Who's this ogre, basically. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, so, it's it was fine. It was okay. There's... It, it's... I don't know. I mean, it kind of had a... Like, it, like it was... Very stylized, I would say, mm-hmm. and yep. that works in some cases, and it wasn't, like, anything that detracted from the movie necessarily, but I don't know. Eh, didn't really make the movie either, like... It's hard, because it's not a bad movie, no. but it's also not anything I'd be like, yeah, you should go watch this. Right. Because it... Just wasn't our thing, I guess. Yeah, and I mean... It seems like... I don't know how to <clears> put it. It's very, like, pro-good-guy-with-a-gun, kind of. It's hard to... Like, it didn't really have any message that it was... It felt like it... I don't know. Yeah. I mean, not It's like, oh, look at... Look at this guy. And then, like, he ends up... Basically in these bad situations. Watch him try and... Figure out how to get out of them. And he's... By talking to himself. Yeah, his subconscious is, uh... Made manifest throughout the movie by him just talking to another version of himself as he's locked up in the basement and in the other situations that he finds himself in. And it just, it was like hard to get a read on if they were, I wasn't sure what to make of him. It wasn't right. like a super sympathetic character aside from the situation he was in being mm-hmm. not anything you would really wish on most people. Mm-hmm. I guess that's pro- I think <clears throat> you just kind of pinpointed what was, my big problem with it is, like, I didn't really care about the characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Like, oh, that's a, that's a fucked up situation, but... I don't know, like... Also, dude, you, you kind of did it to yourself. Y- yeah, and it had a very... Like, there's the episode of The Simpsons where they go to Itchy and Scratchy Land and mm-hmm. they're battling their way through the... At the end of the episode, battling their way through the robots that have gone crazy... And both Bart and Homer make a quip with a dry cool but like that, I could be an action hero. And it just felt like that's what they were trying to do with him, trying to make him mm-hmm. like, oh, look at his dry cool wit. He's he's a cool man. He's like, he's going to be the next Deadpool, except he's just a dude. And they very obviously made the ending such that they clearly want to do a second one. So, not awful. But, I don't know, not anything eh. you should make a I concerted effort right. to see. For sure. Eh. Yeah. Um, so, moving on. Moving on. Uh, Honeydew. Yeah. Who? That Boy. was that was a, a grim Yeah, that's grim watch. exactly the, the term I was thinking of in my head to describe it. So it's about uh, this couple, Sam and Riley? I think so. Um, Yeah. 
if it's not Riley, we'll just fix it in post with a robotic voice. So it'll be <laughs> totally inobtrusive. Nobody will know. It's about this couple who are on a trip out into the the midst of New England, mm-hmm. and uh, Riley is researching this type of fungus that infests wheat that drives people to madness that had affected this farming community, like run rampant through the livestock and the wheat. Um, and then her boyfriend, Sam, is like a struggling actor. They lose their way. They just like camp out in the middle of the field for that night and then get kind of chased off by the guy that owns the property and realize that their car is broken down and have to go walking through the woods at night and come across this house where an old lady and her alleged Your son alleged son uh, live and it's it's very unsettling and like just the first half of the movie I would say there it was basically a constant refrain from us of like oh I don't like this at all this yeah. is very upsetting mm-hmm. to watch just like her mannerisms and just the like the what whole... the fuck is going on yeah just like the house like the way she acts the the food she is cooking. Yeah, it's it's all very upsetting. And so it has a very strong start, and then I think, like, the middle kind of lags a little bit. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of a lull, and then it gets much more upsetting at the end. Yeah. And like last third or quarter or whatever you want to say. Right, and we have to be kind of vague. I don't want to... I was, yeah. like, trying to figure out how to... How to delicately word things without giving too much away but Mm -hmm. overall it is a grim movie through and through and it's well done Mm -hmm. like it's something that kept our attention yeah but man movies that are just overwhelmingly grim that is a hard thing to do it's a hard sell these days too i think yeah like we're in a kind of dystopian hellscape as it is in uh Several countries in the world. Uh, so just speaking from one of those countries, it's tough. Because just, I guess, you want a little payoff. Right, you want a little bit of a reprieve, at least, from the onslaught sure? of of horror and yeah. darkness. And it's like, I was thinking about it, because there's plenty of things that I've seen that have grim endings that I liked. Like, a lot of the stories in creep show do not have good endings for the the main characters uh like martyrs even is uh-huh. like a pretty brutal movie but i still liked it yep and so it's hard to maybe it is just the, the times that make the grimness of this movie a tougher pill to swallow right but i think i felt like the the last i don't know 10 minutes of it is determined to show you things that you could have inferred that are unpleasant and you didn't really... You didn't have to see it. You didn't have to see it. It doesn't really add anything to the experience by having seen it. They could have ended it... Without... Without showing that, like, a few minutes short. And it would have been totally, like, if they'd left it, the ending a little more ambiguous. I think that would have been better. It would have been better, yeah. So... It's not a fun watch. I'll no, <laughs> but, so watch with caution. Right, like, like if you make your make sure that you're in the right headspace and you've got something cheerful that you can turn to immediately after. Right, I I tentatively recommend it, but yeah, just right. it's 
upsetting. There's a lot, lot of things that you'll be like, ooh. And like we were saying, the first, I don't know, third or first half, it's just like, it's so well done. The the constant, like, building on that whole, like, oh, I don't like that. Oh, I really don't like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, not that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that was really enjoyable, but it just, it was too unrelenting. Yeah, and I feel like the kind of reveal of what was going on was just like, oh, that's been done. done before. Yeah. And... Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know... It's fine. You can, like, you can retread steps that yeah. things have, have done and not have it... Effect- and still be worth watching. Right. But, yeah, just like, oh, that's what this is. No, okay, that's... Right. It was a little of... less interesting than it, it seemed like it might have been. Right. Exactly. And, yeah, so I think the, the AV Club had recommended it, and they had called it the New England Chainsaw Massacre. Which I think, in terms of like the feeling of foreboding that it instills, is a pretty apt comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is probably like one of my top three favorite horror movies. Mm-hmm. I'd say just because of how, again, upsetting it is. Right. But at the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you have the main lady heroine escaping, and then you have Leatherface doing a happy little jig, which it's, is it's fantastic. It's a beautiful ending. Yeah, and this movie does not have that kind of release at the end yeah so watch with caution watch with caution yeah yeah and then lastly for this set of three we watched ama which is a movie by pablo larian escobar do you have pablo escobar <laughs> no uh larian yes so he's the guy that did the movie tony Monero that we discussed briefly in one of the episodes like 50 episodes back or something about the guy who is very obsessed with Saturday Night Fever and is converting his... It's like a cafe. Kind of a cafe. I think, into, like, trying to make it, like, the club in Saturday Night Fever and mm-hmm. just is... Making everybody act out like they're in the movie and... Yeah, so it was a really interesting movie, and that's kind of what sold me on watching this, too. I don't know, do you want to... So we start off, we're introduced to this dance troupe, and particularly there's this dancer, Emma... And we find that she's married to the, I guess, the leader of the dance troupe. And um, they've got kind of a, a rocky relationship. And you start learning that they had adopted a child. Um, and things were... Not good. Not good. And so they ended up uh, returning the child yeah. up for adoption. You know, they're dealing with some of the guilt around that. And then also kind of, you know, accusing each other of... Being, more, you know, the reason why it failed. No, it was both of us. And, and just, like, just seeing this relationship kind of disintegrating. And then you, you, you really, you're really focused on Emma, of course. Um, the titular character. Mm-hmm. Basically, she, she has this vision for what she wants her life to be. And who she wants in her life. And she goes about manipulating people to try to make that happen. Yeah. And... She's, you know, she's sleeping with all these people. She's doing all sorts of stuff. Um, she's, like, cutting a swath of, like, emotional and sexual destruction throughout exactly. all these people's lives. Thank you. That's exactly it. <laughs> and it's really compelling to watch her, but it's also, it's not, like, a horror in a traditional sense, but no. just, like, seeing... It's, like, an emotional, it's, like, a drama horror, a relationship horror, or a... 
would you put it? Just like emotional horror. Emotion, yeah, emotional horror. Um, and just seeing Emma kind of, like you said, going through and being this huge catalyst of destruction in so many ways, like both both real with a flamethrower and also just emotionally manipulating all these people to get what she wants and seeing things get broken down, <laughs> you know, yeah. in a way that just like, holy crap. Yeah. And it's just, it's like really beautifully shot. And, so beautifully shot. And framed and everything. It's really compelling. And also it has these scenes of her running around burning shit up with a flamethrower, which is just, it's, it's wild. It's, it's a wild watch. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very good. It's kind of yeah. abstract in that it's, there's not like a steady plot it's not like line. a yes not a study plot line and i think what it might have been is just that it's jumping around between so many disparate elements of the plot sure and you don't really know how anything really fits together until the very end of the movie yes and so yeah it's it is kind of disconcerting yeah a little disorienting disorienting yes yeah but still like very very good this guy is very good about making movies about very uniquely fucked up people. Yes. And yeah, it's it's excellent. So definitely check out Ema. Yeah. If you get the chance to. For sure. Uh, so un- unqualified recommendation for that. More so qualified recommendations for the other two. But mm-hmm. we got to keep going because we've got like nine more movies to watch. Hey. So, um, nine more. I thought I thought we were doing 12. No, 15. 15. Okay. Yeah. Um, all, right. all right. So we got to get to work, and we'll be back in a moment. And we're back again. Round three. Round three. Three movies down. Over halfway. Yes, we're doing it. Getting fatigued, but we can't stop. Can't stop. We can't got... stop. We got more movies. We, we got, got six more. Movies. more. We were blessed with press credentials. We gotta make the most. We gotta make the most of it. Um, Just think of all the festivals we'll be able to get into in the future when we're like, um, excuse us. Excuse me. Excuse me. Did you hear about Nightstream? Um, we were officially press. <laughs> I hope nobody at Nightstream is listening to this and is like, we gotta revoke that shit right now. <laughs> it's time we got Issue statements. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we would like to disavow the podcast uh, in the strongest terms possible. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh boy. Um uh yeah. So, three so more three movies. Three more movies. So, shall we start with talking about The Night? The Night. Yes. Uh it's a Iranian movie. Iranian American? F- yeah, filmed in America, but mostly yeah. Iranian cast it looked like. Very much primarily Iranian cast. A lot of Farsi. Um movie about a couple with a, a, a newborn who is um, trying to head home after a night hanging out and having dinner and a couple drinks and all that and uh, having some issues trying to find their way home. GPS malfunctioning. And they decide, well, shoot, let's just check into this cute little hotel and, and do a little snooze and then we'll just drive home in the morning. GPS malfunctioning, by the way, I feel is true modern terror. Like Oh, yeah. Like, anytime the GPS goes out when we're driving somewhere and I don't know where we really are, I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, 
Well, it's like these, th- these modern times. Yeah, I mean, the, that was another thing that happened in Honeydew. Yeah. So true. you know, it, there is true anxiety around that. We can't get around without GPS these days. So. Yeah. I don't know how we used to... That's one of the things where I'm like, oh my god, how do we ever figure out how to get anywhere? Printing out shit off of MapQuest. Even before that, I mean. Before that, yeah. The first time... There were times I navigated places before that, and I I just was like, well, I think this... We're looking at this direction, so we should go this way. Yeah. Like, the... Right after I got my driver's license, I tried to go to to a concert out in Seattle, and um, did not have the benefit of having like gps or MapQuest or anything like that and i got into an accident on the freeway so that was bad enough and then got into seattle and like immediately got lost and didn't know what the fuck i was doing in, in retrospect i mean if you're in seattle and you get lost just head towards the water and you can probably figure yeah. it out but that was beyond my navigational capabilities even then so yeah i was like trying to look at a paper map and it was just it was no good um, anyway, yeah, so back to the movie. Um, so needless to say, I guess, considering it's a horror film, things did not go well for the family after they checked in. Creepy hotel. Yep. Lots. Ghosty, perhaps, situations. Don't know. Getting annoyed by people banging or, like, saying mommy at the door. Banging on their door. Yeah, yeah. not just banging. Like the- <laughs> <laughs> They're just, like, people fucking. All, all over it. Just so annoying. <laughs> just, so oh, annoying. gosh. Um, yeah, and I guess, I don't know, it, it was fine. It was alright. But, I mean, this this just kind of left me feeling like, yeah, that was alright, but it's... Wasn't, but, re- wasn't especially remarkable. Yeah, the ending... So, the ending partially does the same thing that we were warning you yeah. that Come True does, does. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier in the episode, and... And then it kind of walks it back a little bit at the last second, but it's just like, what yeah. is actually happening right. here? So there's ambiguity, which normally like I feel is good in movies. But it kind of, in this case, felt like they were trying to have their cake and eat it too. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it just is... I, I couldn't figure out an interpretation of what that was supposed to be at the end. And so, like, I think that is what kind of left a a bleh taste in my mouth with regards to it. But, I mean, it's it's well done. Like, pretty much everything we've seen has been well done. Yeah. Nothing else, it's just... I wouldn't say anything's been shitty. Like, outright just, like, garbage at all. So, you know, pretty pretty high quality movies that we're dealing with, so... Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, The Nights, yeah... Which is too bad because I like Iranian movies for sure. Just, but I think having also having this set in America, kind of, I don't know, makes it less interesting. Mm, sure. Because there wasn't really any culture. No, there was elements. exactly yeah. Like it, it could, if there had been some of that, I might have liked it better. If there, but it was just like yeah, just, just kind just of ha- like a straight up kind of ghost story, right? Exactly, and that that's I think the the main thing is that it is just like a straightforward ghost story and there's Mm -hmm. not really you you, it's like you you think there's going to be something more behind it and it it never really yeah so it's it's like a solid low b Mm -hmm. on the horror movie scale not awful but not anything that's gonna like 
change the... Not mind-blowing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on. Moving on. So the next movie that we will discuss is Lucky. Lucky. Um, which is about a lady who is an author. Kind of like business. Bu- yeah, business self. Yeah, I guess it's more businessy. Yeah. And she is, I guess, like newly married, it seemed like. Kind of newly married, yeah. Reasonably newly married. And she and her husband are in their house one night and she wakes up and sees this dude standing in their yard and she wakes her husband up and he's like, hey, uh, there's a guy out there just standing in the yard and it's fucked up and scary. And he's like, oh, that's just the man. That's just the man who breaks in every night and tries to kill you. Yeah. Well, tries to kill us. Well, mo- mostly you, actually. Yeah. Uh, and she's taken aback by this, I think, uh, understandably. Understandably, yeah. Um, and then a fight occurs and they manage to take him down. Yeah, the guy, is he escapes the house, though. He's like, yeah. he's injured but escapes and like, they call the cops and... Vanishes, not even, like, yeah. escapes implies that you... True, he just, like, disappears yeah. right up. And, and they call the cops and everybody is kind of blasé about this to a unsettling degree. Right. Yeah, the the protagonist of the movie is the only one who's like, why is... This is really messed up. Why is nobody seemingly upset by this happening? Right. And and then her husband kind of just takes off and vanishes for the most part. Um, And these attacks continue. And it's pretty gnarly. She manages to get through it unscathed by killing him every night. She's she's killing him, but... Right. And then things... Yeah, it's hard to say more. Right. Without just, like, blowing the whole... The whole deal. The whole deal, so... Yeah, so there's there's these series of attacks, and there is a underlying reason for these. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's kind of the, the main character... <laughs> May's trying to figure out what the hell's going on, and so she's you know obviously trying to defend herself, but she's also trying to figure out what the underlying reason is behind all of these attacks, and yeah. who this dude is who keeps attacking her. Yeah, and she eventually realizes that there are more people it's a, getting it's attacked a bigger, yeah. than just her, like yeah. this, and and that's all we'll say. That's all we'll say. Um, but it was good. That maybe was too much. That was maybe too much. Maybe that'll get edited out. But but yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Very very inventive. Uh huh. I think. Yeah, yeah. How do we? It's say very much very more? difficult to talk about this movie without just seriously blowing the entire thing. Yeah. So. So it's I guess, good. And just trust us on that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Just uh, check it out. Check it out. Just check it out. Yeah. That's our advice. And then the third movie we're going to talk about, it's an Indonesian horror movie that is actually a remake of a classic Indonesian horror film from, I think, like 1980 or so, mm-hmm. called uh, The the Black Magic Woman, or something like that. Queen of Black Magic. The Queen, uh, thank you. Black Magic Woman. Black Magic Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not singing the actual song. <laughs> um, no, yeah, Queen of Black Magic, thank you. So the premise of the movie is there are three guys who receive invitations to go back to the orphanage that they all grew up in. 
because the the guy who ran it is is very unwell and is dying. So they bring their spouses slash families with them to visit this orphanage and Mr. Bando who ran it. And not, it doesn't take too long before things start to get really weird and dark. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <so> gory. <laughs> so like some of the current residents of the orphanage tell the kids that are visiting with their families, like, oh yeah, there's this lady who used to work here and she sacrificed three kids and she was into black magic and shit. And, and yeah, she haunts the place and you can hear her walking and... She banged her head against the store until her her skull cracked open. Yeah, and and so there, that just kind of is it sort of like sets the tone for this movie. Like you you find okay, well most of the kids that live in the orphanage now are away on a trip. Um, why did two of the guys end up going and finding there was something that went wrong? Because of the the very beginning of the movie, one of the guys. Hits something and he, at first he That's thinks it's right. a deer. That's right. Yeah, and, and then, then he's like looking at the car and realizes, wait a minute, later, it's like hair. Yeah, he's like, after. Uh, let's go back and check it out. That's right. That's right. Right. And so they go back to where he thought he hit a deer and realize, oh, no, it was actually a, a child kid that we hit. That is not good at all. Not good at all. And uh, even worse, they find a bus full of the other kids, the other from, kids the from the orphanage. All and, dead. And things get much worse from there. Um, yeah, it just really escalates. It's, um, it's pretty... Like, there's some fucking gnarly, gnarly stuff that happens in this. There were times I had to cover my eyes and I was like, I was barely squinting so I could kind of understand what was going on and like also kind of covering my ears. That squeamish. Yeah. So, it's uh, a lot of uh, centipede maybe. I would say. Yeah, a lot based, of centipede. There's some horror. caterpillars. Yeah. Uh, other insects. Yeah, very and very bloody, just in general. Yeah, lots of gore, and, in general. But, I mean, it's, it's excellent. I like it a so whole good. lot. And, oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, and it it's, does such a good job. Like, the beginning, it's kind of a slow start, but it does such a good job of, like, making you actually like the, the main family and then the kids. Yeah. The kids are kind of snotty in a believable way to one another. Like, and the youngest kid is just, like, such a character, and I love that kid. Yeah. Just, like, so good. And so they do just do such a good job of character building that yep. you are invested, which is such a hard thing for a lot of horror movies, a lot of shitty horror movies yeah, to yeah. do correctly. So and, and, like, gory horror movies, too. A lot of A lot of movies that get into this level of gore, you don't feel as invested in the characters, yeah. I, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it feels almost deliberate sometimes. Yes. You're just like, I'm going to make these people assholes, so you're glad when they start getting right. their limbs We want you to cheer off. on the violence instead right. of, like, this, you really recoil from it. Yeah, not not here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's very good. It's not for the squeamish, or, no. I mean... It could be if you decided to do the Terra option and watch through your fingers. I'm not that... I mean, I'm a little squeamish, but I'm not, like, that squeamish. Right. But just, like, when you deal with some of these bugs and, and all that, like, yeah. with it's the body, just, like, body horror. Right. Um, yeah, a lot of body horror. There's exactly. a lot of body horror. So yeah. just know that going into it, that you... you be prepared. It's going to be gross at, at a lot of points. Um, so just know that that's coming, and otherwise, I think you're in for a real treat. Yeah, it, it was. It's one of the high points, uh, I think. Of Absolutely. So far. Yep. Did we want to talk about the the little interview thingy on Indonesian horror that 
was done with Shutter. I, I only heard part of it, so okay. if you wanted to... I mean, there, there wasn't a whole lot. I, I guess, like, both the filmmakers that were interviewed, Timo and the guy that directed this movie. Yeah, so it was the director of um, May the Devil Take You, which yep. is on Netflix and is, is also very good. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, Kimos Stambowell. Okay. Screenplay was by Joko Anwar, who is um, renowned, I think, in Indonesian horror. Just, like, he's behind a lot of Indonesian horror films. So it was really good to hear Kimo and, and Timo, <laughs> I feel re- weird saying that, give a nod to Sam Raimi and how much mm-hmm. they love those movies. And, and and I think what was also interesting was them talking about how they have to try to get around Indonesian censorship, mm-hmm. basically. The board <laughs> that... Uh, reviews films and decides whether or not they can be released um, or have to be edited for release or give the ratings. Uh, I guess they change up every couple years, so you kind of have to like feel out what things do and do not fly every few years with these people. Like some, you know, it could be religious stuff, it could be sex stuff, it could be violent stuff, um, supernatural elements, whatever. Like you're having to constantly sort of guess what is and is not going to work and so a lot of times with some of these scenes they actually film things two times like one where they actually show you some of the gore and the other where it's just implied which i thought that was really interesting they're talking about like how tiring it gets yeah and understandably like you don't know what you're dealing with that's just such a tough constraint to have where you don't even know what the boundaries are like the boundaries are constantly moving yeah it's I mean, we have our own problems with the MPAA. Right. Uh, I don't know. Is every movie rating organization just kind of fucked to some extent? Probably. In different ways, but yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, th- I feel like listening to them talk about the Indonesian. Um, They're just having to do, like, yeah, all these safety shots, so right. to speak, to cover their asses so that yep. the movie can actually get released. It's exactly. Just, it's, Pretty incredible. Yeah. It was it was just, you know, an interesting thing to, to hear them talking about, you know, when you're making things for an Indonesian audience versus, you know, when you're being really inspired by horror movies or, or things that happen mm-hmm. worldwide, globally, looking at horror from different countries and whether or not you're going to find audiences. To me, that's kind of fascinating. How much is universal versus how much is really culturally based right. and... and, and uh, sensitive to culture yeah that's just such a weird mm-hmm. thing to have to try to factor in like, yeah like timo mentioned being really intrigued by the judeo-christian idea of demons and so you know he's the the guy who directed made the devil take you and so obviously you can see it like okay yeah that's where that came from where that came from yeah you know what was also interesting um just was Again, the reference, they talked a little bit about um, Queen of Black Magic and how it, this remake differs from the original version. And so, like, some of the, the main story elements, like, it took place, the original version took place, like, in a village. It mm-hmm. wasn't an orphanage. And, and some of the things that happen, slightly different, but made me curious to see that. Yeah. I mean, I'm always curious about, like, what horror movies from other countries are like. But anyway, takeaway is that. Some Indonesian horror is pretty excellent. Pretty, pretty rad. I'm definitely interested in looking into more and seeing if there's any good resources that would give us some good jumping off points for other Indonesian horror. Yeah. To, to check out because pretty impressed with uh, the two things that we've seen recently. And so yeah, that 
that's that for for now for the, these three this batch of three we gotta we gotta get our noses back to the movie watching grindstone here so we will be back in a moment three more down three more so we will i guess start off by talking about frank and zed it was a really interesting horror movie in that it was completely made with puppets all puppets all, all puppets the time. all puppet action and it was very impressive yeah the amount of detail and the amount of effort that went into it i wouldn't say it's a scary movie I mean, no. it's got some you know puppet gore a lot of puppet a gore. lot of puppet <laughs> gore um but i think i would have absolutely loved to see that movie when i was a kid like I I think I would have. Yeah, and it it took the creators like six years to film, and it really shows mm-hmm. in just how detailed everything is. Like you were saying, um, it's about a zombie and a Frankenstein's monster. Uh, can we just call him Frankenstein? Yeah, it's fine. That's right? fine. Just I everybody, think we've all agreed. Who's the? I think it's a Chip Zdarsky tweet where somebody took a picture of the last page of Frankenstein, and somebody had written in. By the way, the monster called as he floated away on the iceberg. It's totally fine to call me Frankenstein. I don't mind at all. Bye bye. Or something to that effect. Like, yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to talk about the plot briefly? Uh, essentially, Frank and Zed um, were villagers that um, got killed by this evil guy that lived in this castle. Many, many years ago. And so they got converted into monsters. The villagers that were not converted to monsters slash minions managed to storm this castle and take down the main monster guy. Um, But Frank and Zed managed to live. And so they've been living for years and years in this decaying castle as they themselves decay and just sort of like... Trying to get by. They're, they're, they're eking out an existence. The original odd couple. So, anyway, the present day, there's been rumors in the village that the monster might be coming back into power, or at least that some of his minions are still around and living in the castle. And at the same time, um, some people want to kind of stage this coup and overtake the monarchy and just become king. So they start sending out people to investigate. And, uh, well, uh, this one guy that gets sent out in the woods to investigate, uh, gets chomped. And, uh, and things progress. Things progress into what is called an orgy of blood. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, you'd said that you wished you'd, been able to see it when you were little. I think uh, that it, it is a good uh, gateway into horror for little kids. Little kids, I guess. Little, yeah. Little-ish kids. Ish. Um, Ish. I mean, your your kids' mileage may vary. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the movies had Q&As with uh, the makers of the movies afterwards, and this one did as well, and they were talking about how with all the scenes with, like, blood and goo in it, that was like, they had one take to get it right, because if they got blood on a puppet, then that's that's it. It was done. That's it. A bunch of puppets getting torn to pieces, too, and it's like, oh, there's no uh, coming back from that for that puppet. Right. Well, especially because it was, you know, relatively low budget. When you look at 
um, you know, a lot of a lot of films that are done with puppets, they typically have budgets and crews large enough to where they can make multiple copies of a puppet for this very reason. But um, the makers of Frank and Zed didn't have that luxury, so it really was kind of a, a one and done. Yeah. Like, once we do this, we can't go back. Yeah. So, <laughs> so. very, very impressive. A lot of fun. Well, yep. well worth checking out. If well, you get worth the checking out. The other thing um, I want to say that I thought really came across is, I guess, they um, wanted the main characters, Frank and Zed, like the puppets to look like, oh my god, how are you making a film with these? They could fall apart at any moment. Yeah. And that really, really, really came across. Yeah. It was it was amazing. Yeah, definitely. So, well done. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they even have a few jokes about the, the flimsiness of the, the decre- decrepitness, maybe I should say, of the decrepitness of the, <laughs> the puppets. The decrepity. Um, yeah, check it out. Check it out. Uh, we also watched May the Devil Take You 2, a, another, uh, Indonesian horror movie, and it's a, a sequel. Probably should start off with the first one. It's on Netflix. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's very entertaining. Um, the writer, director, copped to having a Sam Raimi influence. Oh, um, yeah. In a, one of the, the panels that we watched, and it, it definitely comes through. It's it's very enjoyable. It's not quite as funny necessarily as like the stuff that Sam Raimi does, it, right? But it has that that definite like Evil Dead esque uh, feel to it for for sure. Um, and so that that's a very good movie about this uh, young lady named Elfie whose father became rich briefly by making a pact with a uh, I guess like a bride of Satan. Yeah. And uh, then things quickly fell apart. And so she had to deal with the, Alfie had to deal with the repercussions of that deal. Because the deal, all, he, he decided to make the deal on behalf of all of his family members. Right. Unbeknownst to the rest of them. Yeah. And, and so the first movie is her kind of figuring that out. So the fact that there's a second movie in the series kind of implies that uh, she, she makes it through the first movie. Mm-hmm. She, she and her, uh, her half-sister? Her s- stepsister? Yeah, half-sister. The second movie takes place shortly after the first one, and she and her her half-sister get abducted by this group of orphans orphans, um, who are trying to break the curse that the guy that was running the orphanage had, uh, again, gotten into a deal with, with a demon. Uh, some of the orphans are starting, they thought that this was all behind them. The dude had died. And anyway, stuff started happening again. And so they, in desperation, decided, well, let's call in, let's call in Alfie because well, there's... Call in, quote yeah. unquote. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's abduct Alfie. And, and force, um, her, and, and to force her to help us. Because we read this police report that showed she dealt with some demon shit and survived. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, so they figured, right, rightfully so, as it turns out, that she'd be a good source to turn to to help them sort out their own demon mess. Uh, and she's not too happy about that, understandably. Yeah. Like, having survived one demon encounter, demon devil encounter. Be... To be thrust into one. And then her her half-sister, her little half-sister being roped in, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, crappy move. Yep, yeah. And things do not go well for a lot of them. And, um, yeah, I would say it was pretty good. I think mm-hmm. it is a little bit of a slower start than the first one was. It took me a little while to get into it. But, like, by the end, I was I was back on board. Completely. For sure. 
for sure. And it kind of the the ending sets up some interesting stuff if if there are future movies in the series potentially. So yeah, if you again if you're into Sam Raimi esque horror, definitely worth checking out both of the movies in the yeah. series. I think this one is coming to Shutter uh, in a couple of weeks time. So if you have a subscription to Shutter, keep an eye out for that. And then lastly. But certainly not least. Certainly not least. Certainly not. Certainly not. Mandibles. Mandibles. Oh my god. So the mandibles. It's yeah, incredibly charming and and funny, and it's uh, it's a French movie. Uh, Belgian, I think. Belgian. Okay, it could be. French Belgian. It's a it's a it's a co-production. We're both right. How about that? Well, um, don't you like that? Yeah, I do like that actually. (laughs) Me too. So, um, it's about the, these two dudes, Manu and Jean Gob, who are just total dum-dum doofuses, who are, like, criminally minded to an extent. They're given a, one of them, Manu, is given a, a task at the start of the movie to deliver a mysterious briefcase, and it, it all seems very shady and suspicious, and that... That uh, plot thread quickly goes out the window when he, he steals a car and finds out that there is a giant fly trapped in its trunk. Yeah. And uh, this friend John Gobb has the, the idea to train this fly to do tricks for them and to uh, steal stuff. Right. Also, and so... It, it's all mo- money-making plots, uh, yeah. basically. And uh, so it's the two of them, John Gobb trying to train the giant fly and Manu getting kind of roped into... Uh, hanging out with these people who, like, one of the the women in the group of people thinks that he's somebody that she went to school with, and he's not, but he goes along with it because they can get free food and stuff and, and lodging out of it, so he's just all all too happy to jump on that uh, gravy train for as long as it'll let him ride that train. As long as that train runs. Oh, yeah. That, as far as that train will go. Yep. Smart many stops as he can go on. Yeah. Oh, God, this is a All the way to the end metaphor. of the line. <laughs> oh, okay. Forget it. But uh, it's, it's very, very funny just because they are such uh, dingbats. And that's our pizza. And that's our pizza. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> so, pizza acquired. Success. The, uh, I guess the main takeaway from it, aside from the movie being just generally very very entertaining, is that uh, the giant fly is very adorable. Like, oh, so cute. Yeah, I wouldn't think I would say that about a fly, but, <laughs> but you know, time makes fools of us all. Does that make sense? I don't know. But uh, it's it's a cute, cute fly. It's a cute fly. It's a very funny movie. It's a, it's a great time. Very highly recommended. Check yeah. it out, for sure. And so we are on to the last three movies that we have for the festival. Um... And we will be back with our thoughts on those in a moment. Okay, we're back. We've done Nightstream. We've, we've completed Nightstream. Overall, before we talk about the movies, it was pretty great, I would yeah. say. I liked it a lot. And I'm not just saying that because they gave us some air of authenticity that doing this podcast for like three years now. Right. It's not so far, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it was really well put together. I'm I'm very glad that we participated in Me it. Me too. I mean, I would be genuinely really happy if Nightstream continues in future years. Yeah, me too. Um, 
Yeah, just having access to a bunch of new horror movies and horror-adjacent movies all at once is is very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, almost every movie, there was a panel with some of the creators. Yeah. So not only do you get to have the opportunity to see all these really great films before they're released to the general public, but you also have the opportunity to learn more about the process of making the film or or other things about the the creative team behind the movies. Also, you don't have to deal with being at a physical panel or Q&A where there's inevitably one person, um, excuse me, so I would like to just listen to my voice talking at you. Yeah. And I, I would like to say something ideally so that you know that I'm cool and then you're going to come up to me afterwards and we're going to be best friends for life. Yeah. And and or you're going to help me get my shitty idea released. Yeah. Again, our cat is uh, deciding (laughs) that now is the best time to create a ruckus. He's got a podcat annoyance sensor inside him. Yep. Colin. Good grief. Um, Naughty. Like, I think the first few iterations of the seattle international film festival that we went to we were like oh cool they're doing q a's with the the crew or with the makers of the movie afterwards we should stick around to watch that and then it became quickly apparent that at a lot of them there's at least one person who just really wants to get up there and have it be all about them yeah usually you just want to gouge your eyes out yeah so the the fact that this was all virtual and curated by whoever was moderating the, the panel they had a chance to see and weed out any potential so-called questions like that. And excellent all around, yeah. I would say. And yeah, hopefully they do this again next year, like Tara said. Right. It was great because like you had, it wasn't necessarily you had at one exact time you had to start the movies to. You had like a window for the most part, or mm-hmm. in a lot of cases you could just, whenever, like you, you had this completely open window as long as the festival was running. A, a better experience overall. Yeah. Yep. So, with that being said, let's talk about the three movies that we had watched. Uh, two of which were kind of... Eh, eh, not... Not bad, not, just not, right. like, our favorites. Not, uh, yeah, not up to the standards that other movies had set in the festival. Right. Uh, so, I guess we'll start with Black Bear. Yeah. Uh, how would we talk about Black Bear? Yeah. I don't know. So, it's a movie in two parts... And the first part is, um, both parts have the same cast, but it's two different stories set kind of in the same environment and kind of runs a lot of the same themes. Right. But in one sense, it's like, it's, I think the movie is kind of trying to be a statement on the creative process Mm -hmm. and how you take either experiences from real life or you, you stretch things from real life or, or you imagine things happening that didn't happen and turn that into a film and, or how you're, you're making some piece of art and that has negative Im- impacts on your, your life. Cause you're the, the, the links you go to to make this art happen. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's a, a pretty good general summation of the, the themes of it, but Aubrey Plaza is the kind of the starring character in in both parts of it, playing two different ish roles, and she's great. Like everybody yeah. does a good job in the they film. They all do a great job. It's just like the story. The first part is very tense and 
you're like, oh, where is this going? And kind of agonizing as -hmm. you're caught in this very uncomfortable conflict between a a couple that are... There's obviously some strain in their relationship. A lot of strain, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then this third party comes in who they're like essentially like opening up their home to creative types to, to stay. Right. Which seems like it could be a real recipe for awkwardness anyway, without adding in this marital strain. Right. <laughs> that's really palpable throughout that entire segment. Yeah. And so things steadily get worse and more intense, and then there's a climactic event, and then it just suddenly, like, no follow-up, just cuts to the second part of the movie. And, and then, like, most of that tension just totally dissipates. Yeah. And, and then, you know, there's, like, other tension created, but... But like, the second part is more comedic, almost. Yes, like, for there's, sure. There's tension there, and then... There's definite comedic elements. It, it, it basically, it's kind of following the production of a movie also called Black Bear. So there's, like, this meta-referential angle to it that's like, okay. It felt a little bit like they were trying to make a deeper point, mm-hmm. but it didn't come across at all, or, like, there wasn't really anything yeah, behind yeah, it. Yeah. At least nothing that we could figure out. We're not, I don't know, I don't think we're we're total idiots or right. anything like that. Like, I certainly wouldn't call you an idiot. Um, Likewise. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, it just, it ended and we're like, eh, all right. All right. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like a lot of the times we are like, you gotta leave movies more ambiguous sometimes. And then now and it's sometimes like, it's like, oh, that was too ambiguous. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the problem that the, the next movie that we watched yeah. uh, has to bleed with me, mm-hmm. which is about uh, a couple, the, the woman and the couple invites one of her friends from work to go on this trip to a cabin with them. And just like the awkwardness based around being the third wheel in that situation. And then the lady who was invited is having these weird dreams where her friend that invited her is doing ominous stuff and she's waking up with these cuts on her arms and you don't really know what exactly is going on but you know it's it's not good it just kind of peters out at the end again i mean i think it's kind of like they're trying to do the classic like unreliable narrator thing because you could see at one point the the friend character she had scars on her arm where she obviously had self-harmed in the past and she kind of hints at Essentially, she was stalking the friend. That's right. Before she met her. You obviously had a better grasp on it than I did, so I will defer to okay. hear your opinion on this. I apologize. Yeah, no, I, I feel I feel like she just was like a, a troubled person who yeah. um, clearly struggled with her sense of reality and like what's acceptable. Yeah, that, you know, it wasn't tracks. it wasn't clear for a long time, yeah. and that's where it was like that's that's the part where it's like. Is she doing this to herself, or is her friend, like, this monster who's drinking her blood, you know, like... Yeah, so, I mean, you your interpretation sounds much more uh, on, on point. Again, it was it was fine, but a little maybe muddled for maybe too long yeah. would be why I did not pick up on some of these things. Yeah, yeah. Necessarily. For I'm just sure. going to use that as an excuse. Maybe I'm just dumb. Um, You're not dumb. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know, but we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. We're gonna go take an IQ test right after we finish recording this, and we'll see who's done. IQ tests are great. Yeah, not uh, not no. at all horribly designed and racially motivated. Yeah, and uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was again well made. Like I really feel like any everything that we saw mm-hmm. was 
decent. Yes. If no, not... Nothing was like a trash pile. Right. Nothing was a complete crap movie. Yeah, even the movies that were maybe didn't quite hit the mark for us were still decent. Yeah, it, your mileage may vary. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, Don't take our word as like the defining word on yeah. anything. Yeah, oh god, ever. please, no. <laughs> um, so, and then finally, we, we watched uh, Rose Plays Julie, which was an Irish thriller, would you call it? Kind of drama slash thriller. Psychological. Yeah, kind of psychological. Not, yeah. Well, you know, what was interesting with the panels, like the, the one guy, the guy uh, moderating the panel talked about how it was, you know, it's got all the, all the things that go into a thriller, but it was just such a quiet mm-hmm. and restrained film. Yeah. So there was all this tension in it and all, all the, this emotional stuff and like these thriller aspects, but it was done in such a beautiful, quiet way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's about this uh, female veterinary school student. A young woman who... Um... Who is adopted. Mm-hmm. And she is... At the beginning of the movie, contacting, like, she finds out who her birth mother is and, and is kind of following her from a distance and trying to get in touch with her. And eventually she gets the chance to to speak with her and finds out that the reason she was put up for adoption was because her the, the pregnancy that born her came from a rape. And then she goes on to get the information about the, the guy that had raped her birth mother. I think it's important to, to mention, firstly, the, the birth mother did not want to be contacted. Mm-hmm. Like, that was part of the whole... Right, when she was put up for adoption. Yeah, she when she put up the, the baby for adoption, she specifically said, I don't want to be contacted in the future. So, so Rose, as an adult, she's got these questions about, like, what would have been different in my life? And she kind of has come up with this fantasy of, who her parents, her birth parents are, and the circumstances around why she was put up for adoption. So she decides, like, I, I need to find out. I need to find out who these people are. And so she first contacts her birth mother by phone, and, like, the birth mother just kind of hangs up on her. Then Rose flies over to where her birth mother is, she's an actress and she's filming this movie. And so she like sneaks onto the set and is like following her around. And then eventually like finds her house is for sale. And so she, she books a viewing. So like, it's not like she just contacts her birth mother. I think we should say that she forces a conversation with her Mm -hmm. by kind of stalking in a way. And so, yeah, she learns, uh, about why she was put up for adoption and gets the name of her biological father and finds out that he's an archaeologist and decides that she is going to become part of a dig that he's working on and she has ulterior motivations for doing so. And it's not... Oh, boy. It's, uh, yeah, hard to... It's, it's, it's hard. Like, this movie, I think I was on the verge of tears many times, and just, like, the tension, knowing the emotional weight behind everything, and the circumstances. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was intense. 
There's a scene where she asks her biological father how much he weighs. Mm-hmm. And based off of what you know from previous scenes in the movie, you're just like, you this feeling of dread. Like, yeah. oh, fuck. Oh like, my god, I know where this is going. Yeah, like, it, it never has somebody being asked their weight had such, like, an ominous yeah. <laughs> like, undertone to it. Um, it's excellent. I excellent. liked it a lot. It's so good. Yeah. So definitely check that out if you get the opportunity to. Like Tara said, it, it's very played very subtly. It, it is, but it's like, that makes it that much better. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, so that... Performances amazing. Mm-hmm. Everything amazing. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Excellent. So yeah, that's it. Those are the 15 movies that we spent a week watching, and it was exhausting, but I would... But super fun. Yeah, very fun. I would definitely do it again, given the opportunity. And yeah, I guess we would like to say thank you to Nightstream for... Huge thanks to Nightstream. For allowing us press credentials, giving us that. Definitely hasn't gone to our heads at all. Definitely, yeah. We definitely haven't been uh, telling everybody that we know that we're press. I got uh, trophies. (laughs) uh, (laughs) to commemorate t-shirts ask ask me about my press credentials for (laughs) night stream 2020 is that the new like ask about my podcast (laughs) t-shirt it's please please ask me about my podcast it's a a t-shirt that i'm I'm designing um so yeah it was it was very fun and uh thank you to night stream and i guess that is it for this episode. Um, yeah. And because, I, I'm, you know, we don't have any feedback on the first part of the episode where our, our musical intro yet. I can only imagine that it was a big hit. So right. I, I think we should end it in a similar fashion. So... I was working in the lab late one night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, never mind. <laughs> Uh, all right, oh. that, that's it. All right, goodbye. 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 <laughs> Catch you later, potato eggs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.